Hello, my dear friend. Today I bring you another response to a writing prompt, which was, If your suit watch is correct, you should have ran out of air three weeks ago? The stars drift past and you're forgetting how you got out here. But your practiced cognitive self-tests tell you that you're sane. Reality seems to be dissolving the further you drift into space. And now, music? After the bittersweet tragedy of the last contact, I really had to write a first contact to cheer myself up. She drifted. Cognitive dissonance had set in some time ago. She was aware of that. It passed the time. However, she was still capable of lucidity. In one of her lucid spells, she ran through the exercises that she had been taught during training. She wasn't sure how long ago training had been, but she remembered that it had happened. So far as she was able to tell, she was sane. The suit was in low-power mode now. It had shifted into low-power mode after the air ran out, which had been, according to the timer that was still running, three weeks ago. It had been one week the last time she looked. Odd. The timer was attached to the tiny distress beacon, which existed to identify the suit's location for searchers as well as telling them whether or not the drifting suit still held a live person. How long the person had been dead, the last known location. She should have died when the air ran out. If the suit had thought she was out of air before she really was, she should have frozen to death within a few minutes of entering low power mode. Instead, she was still drifting in empty space. She couldn't even see her own ship, let alone any searchers, not even debris. She had rotated on every axis, multiple times, looking all around herself. Nothing. Only the stars drifting past. Which wasn't right. None of this was right. None of this was possible. And yet, here she was, drifting. She had mastered lucid dreaming years ago, as most astronauts did, as a way of alleviating the boredom and sameness of space travel. She closed her eyes, relaxing into that mindset. If this was a long, strange dream, and it could be, she could at least make it more interesting. But she couldn't so much as conjure a distant ship or some soft music. This was not, then a dream. It was not reality. It was not a dream. What other options were there? She closed her eyes, then opened them again. For the first time, she found herself adrift, and she did not now remember how that had happened. Hmm. For the first time since she found herself adrift, and she did not now remember how that had happened, she spoke aloud. Is this a test? The entity in the containment unit had been undergoing examination for two solar cycles. They continued to use the cycle as a measurement of time for convenience, even far from their home world. The scientist had been very careful not to harm the entity. He had carefully examined the exact mix of gases contained in the suit's atmospheric chamber and reproduced it. There had been water in the suit, so he had provided water for it to sip from the tube. 
what it ate, he couldn't guess, but judging by its metabolic rate and physical structure, it shouldn't be materially harmed by going without food for another two or three cycles. Before that time, they would put it back where its own kind could find it. It would be confused, but all it would remember was a long dream of drifting alone. They didn't know anything about this species. They hadn't been able to resist the opportunity of picking up this one found drifting alone to examine before they risked any contact. After all, it would have probably died if they'd left it alone out there, so far from its own people. They'd put it back closer, where it could be found in time. It was an interesting species, extremely physically resilient as far as they could tell without risking harm to it. Bipedal, warm-blooded, with signs that they'd had more body hair once than they had now, they were slow-moving as explorers. They'd mastered faster-than-light travel some time ago, but their explorers were moving very slowly. They'd approached three solar si- the three solar systems closest to their own, none inhabited, and had spent a long time exploring each one before moving on. That was unusual. Most species, once freed from their own solar system, search first for habitable planets or accessible resources. These beings seem to be searching for something specific, though the scientists couldn't imagine what that was. They'd set up a few installations to harvest useful substances, metals and gases and so on, but that hadn't stopped the slow search. The scientist was an expert in the mind arts. That was why he had been selected for this task, even while he scanned and studied, he maintained the dream for the entity, letting her mind wander into her history to entertain itself. He was careful, nudging it away from memories of pain or distress or anything that seemed too intimate. Memories of large groups, of what appeared to be team activities of training and exploration. He had learned the rudiments of her language that way. Though, in her memories, there were a number of other languages spoken around her. The species seemed to have an unusually large number of spoken languages, at least 15 just in this one being's experience. When most new spacefarers had two or three. And while he was thinking about that and trying to figure out exactly how that bony structure in the ear worked, the entity spoke. This should not be possible. While it was in the curated dream state, it should not be capable of such voluntary movements. And yet it spoke aloud as well as in the dream, suddenly turning its consciousness outward. Is this a test? It should not know. No being placed in the dream state had ever realized it. That was why the scientist species were so instrumental in first contact, as well as being crucial medical staff. They could remove awareness of pain and injury, or remove a being afflicted by claustrophobia or other sicknesses common to space travel from awareness of its surroundings until treatment was given or a planet reached. If a new species proved to be dangerous or hostile, its representatives could be placed in dream state until the other envoys were safe. But this being had realized something was wrong. The scientist did not have time to ask for direction. He had to choose now how to react. He did not dare let the entity wake fully. This laboratory would be frightening. Instead, he moved the dream state to another location, not space, but a place it remembered. This was like the desert that the great scientist called his home. Mm, that the scientist called his home. 
except that instead of shades of gray and white, this one was painted in shades of orange and red and yellow. Its plants gray and green instead of blue and green. The entity was not wearing its atmosphere suit here, but garments that it often wore in its memories, loose, clo loose clothing in some pale fabric embroidered in bright colors. For that reason, when he appeared to it, he did not wear his clothes containment suit, but the looped and painted garments he would have worn at home. He was not equipped to vocally produce the sounds of the entity's language, but he could project it here in the dream state and hope he could make himself understood. His mastery of the language was rudimentary. No, not a test. Uh, protecting. We find you lost, drifting. Now, on our ship, safe take you to place near your kind. They find you. It nodded slowly, and a f an affirmative gesture. And while you take me, you study? It waved its hands at its own body. Examine me. But I dream? So I won't know. It was consciously simplifying its own speech to match his, a little courtesy he hadn't expected. He stepped back, ears drooping in embarrassment. We do not hurt. Only look, he said defensively. Want to know what your species is. If you have sickness, forgive. Still learning your words. It made a strange barking noise that seemed to serve them as a laugh. I'm not angry, it said, smiling its toothy smile. Who would not look? I am glad you only look, not... It made a gesture along its central axis, somehow conveying a cutting motion. Not open. He knew his mental voice conveyed his horror. No, no, never. Not to living entity. A most evil doing. It nodded, its long dark crest twisted in a rope, bobbing against his shoulder. We believe that, too, now. It sighed deeply. In past times, we did not. We were a bad species and did many evil things. Now we try to be good, better than we were. He had never heard a new species admit that, either. Usually they tried hard to show good face to strangers, but this was different. A first contact, not formal, not planned, only an explorer and a scientist facing each other across a warm desert under a pale yellow sun. Eh, most species do bad things. Sometime. Even mine. But try to be better. Matters. He examined her thoughtfully. How did you break out of the dream? Nobody ever has done that. It lifted its shoulders and spread its hands. Knew it wasn't real, because if it was, I would have been dead. It wasn't a dream, because I can control my dreams. I didn't think I was insane, and pre-expiry hallucinations don't last that long. So, we have stories about tests like that, about artificial dreams or hallucinations. So I tried asking, what did I have to lose if I was wrong? The scientist flicked his ears thoughtfully. 
I see. Is logic. He'd never encountered any species but his own, so easily able to grasp the concept of an artificial perceived reality, and he wondered if they also had some capacity for the mind arts. Though he'd seen no sign of that in the entity's memories. He hesitated for a moment, wondering if he should ask another question and if that answer would be truthful if he did, but it was so forthcoming, almost friendly. When could he ask if not now? What do you search? We watch you long. You searching. For what? It made a barking laugh noise again and held out its hand towards him. For you. For others. We wanted to find other sentience, too. It frowned as if trying to find the right words. Do not be alone. The scientist could feel how much the entity meant it, how deeply her species longed to find others, that they had many companion creatures he knew from her memories, and even a few who bordered on true sentience, but their own world had not filled their desire for companionship, and they reached out to search the beyond for company. For, if he understood her emotions correctly, for friends. And she was a her, he knew that now. Slowly, he lifted one limb to touch his throat. My name, he said carefully. Your voice cannot make. The meaning, upright conduct, I think, is me. We give names with good meaning, like you. My clan, White Desert Stone. He projected the image of the great spire of white rock that gave his clan its name. She nodded, placed her hands on her torso, near the organ that moved blood in her body. My name is Paloma, she said, and her mind conjured the image of a fluttering white bird. Paloma Hernandez Flores. These images were of two other entities, parents, to whom those names belonged. Glad of meeting Paloma Hernandez Flores he said, and held out a hand in a way he'd seen the beings doing in her memory. Her hand was very different to his, smaller, flatter, with bony digits and straight flat plates on their tips, and yet it was a hand suited to using tools, and when it touched his, it was warm and soft like his own. He did not know if his commander would allow this first contact to stand, but he hoped this entity this Paloma Hernandez Flores. She had been searching. She had been out searching for other life with friendship in her heart. Perhaps the rest of her species were no more like her than the scientists were like him. But he could hope. It was a good start. The best kind of start. Be well, my friend.